0: Three passages, if you can turn with me, and I'll just read a few verses from each. Uh, one is the book of Zephaniah, which is harder to find than some books. Uh, it's just before Haggai, if that helps you at all. It probably doesn't, but uh, you got a table of contents, Zephaniah chapter 3, Zephaniah chapter 3, Luke chapter 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But hold all three because I'm actually going to read it. Luke, 1 Corinthians, then Zephaniah last. But I'm giving it to you chronologically first. Zephaniah comes first. Luke 4 comes second. And 1 Corinthians chapter 9 would come third. But I'm going to read it Luke. We're going to start with Luke and then 1 Corinthians and then Zephaniah. Luke chapter 4... Verse 4, if your Bibles are open, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, we can put one in your hand, You can do that. Luke chapter 4, starting with verse 4, but Jesus answered him, him being Satan, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. That's the one passage I wanted to read from Luke. Man (laughs) shall not live by bread alone. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So that was Jesus speaking to Satan. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul writing here. And I'm picking up with verse 22. Paul writes, to the weak, I have become as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And then the last passage over in Zephaniah, Zephaniah chapter 3, and I'll probably touch on a few more verses there in uh, 1 Corinthians, and I'll touch on several in Zephaniah, but I want to read just a few, um, and then we'll get into this study. Zephaniah chapter 3, starting in verse 8, Therefore wait for me, says the Lord. Until the day I rise up for plunder, my determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms. And he talks about here, he's going to pour out his indignation, but this, I I really want to speak to what God is speaking to the remnant, and we are a New Testament remnant. This is the remnant of Israel that's spoken more expressly to, verse 9, for then I will restore to the peoples a pure language. God wants purity in our mouths in our hearts, that they may call on the name of the Lord and serve him with one accord, full unity. For beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, this will be kind of the children of Israel being called back, but there's application we'll be looking at here as well. My worshipers, the daughters of my dispersed ones, shall bring my offering. Verse 12, I will leave in your midst a meek and humble people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Name, they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Verse 14, we just did this in worship. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy, the King of Israel. The Lord is in your midst. I'll stop there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have your word. Your word to soften our hearts, open our eyes. It truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we thank you that we have your Holy Spirit that always points to your word, that always points to Jesus, the King in our midst, the Lamb of God in our midst. We thank you, Lord, that you even spoke to Satan with the Word of God, showing us exactly what we would need to battle the enemy in our lifetime. And so, Jesus, we just ask for your Spirit to speak to us. I ask for your strength. I ask for your wisdom. I ask for your understanding, your peace. I ask for your joy. And, Lord, I pray that each and every person would be ministered to by the Spirit what they need. Those that are online, those that are here You'd soften us, and Lord, just draw us near to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Here's what I pray that the Lord conveys to each of you this morning. The renewed trust that God's plan for you and me, whatever he allows in 2022 or beyond, that his plan is perfect it will invariably god's plan will invariably disrupt and change our plans this year already has mine but that's a good thing because he'll do precisely what's needed in our souls and in our lives we don't even know what we need only god knows that we'll be able to say and truly believe romans 8 28, we know that all things, not something, not 33% of things, not 67% of things, all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are the called according to his purpose. That we'd really believe that verse. That we'll see past the temporary and look to God and what he's fulfilling in us By the work of the Spirit. You saw the title this morning if you're taking notes. Not our plan. His plan and it's far better. His plan, God's plan, is not based on our calendar. It is not based on our calendar. It is not based on our preferences. It is not based on our schedule. It is not based on our New Year's resolutions. It's based on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And his will. For each of us. God's plan is always, always, always to conform us to Jesus. To conform us to his son. And it'll take time. Can I get an amen on that? It will take time to conform us to Jesus. But if we belong to Him, guess what? He'll make the time. He'll make the room in our lives. And the Lord will readjust and He will renew us many times this year alone. He will readjust and renew you many times this year. As many times you have to recharge your phone, that's how many times God's going to recharge you. That, that, that many times. As we what? Follow him by faith. So this unplanned message this morning, I had no plan to share this message, it was actually birthed after Christmas in the last week and a half When I was out sick, my second New Year's in a row on the couch, it was uh, not my plan either year, by the plan of foreknowledge of God. Um, The three passages that we just read from, uh, the Lord had me reading those three passages and actually more in those areas on New Year's Day. I was on New Year's Day, Saturday, New Year's Day, reading in those three areas, and they are directional reminders of God's plan for us his people you individually the message I had planned for last week God's will for new beginnings is now planned for next week and actually builds off this week all that clear good Um, the Lord is the one that uh, that that makes it so that it's his word by his spirit that says this is what I want you to know. This is the pattern. This is the methodical steps. And so the Lord's like, this is the message, put the other one next week, and so that's how it's going to be. So let's turn our attention back to Luke's Gospel where Jesus, who is the Word, and it's always funny when, when Jesus quotes things from the Scriptures, Him being the Word, but yet He also would quote from the Word, from the Old Testament, from the Tanakh. Remember he says, it is written. Anything Jesus says becomes Scripture. And yet he still quoted Scripture because he's teaching us the power of the Word of God in our life. And so Jesus stands upon the Word, showing us that we're going to need the Word in many situations of our life. And I guarantee at some point in 2022, even this coming week, Maybe even later today you'll need the Word of God to guide you, to help you. So the first thing I want to look at this morning, if you're taking notes, is His provision and His power. His provision. His power. Anything that mankind can give you will fade away. Anything. All the elements of this world are going to someday be melted. But not God's provision and not God's power. It is eternal. It is infinite. Understand the context of Jesus' words there in Luke 4 and his response. It's also recorded in Matthew's Gospel. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Understand the context. Jesus is where? He's in the desert. He's there without food. He's getting physically weaker by the day. He's under a full-out assault from Satan. If you ever think you've been under a full-out assault by Satan, Jesus really has. Full-out assault, 40 days. Full-out assault from Satan. Satan wants Jesus to yield to the circumstances. But Jesus didn't, not an inch, not a centimeter. Brother and sister, our flesh is weak. Very weak. The temporal limitations of our physical bodies and our minds gravitates to what we can see, what we can touch, what we can handle, what we can appreciate. Jesus is addressing more than food in this statement, man shall not live by bread alone. He's addressing more than food. Do you agree with that? He's not only addressing food. It's inclusive of his need to eat but it's a wider view than just something to eat. Satan tempted Jesus. And of course, Satan had zero, and I mean zero chance of success. No chance of success, he tempts him anyway. He has some chances of success with us, right? And has been successful at times with us, right? But it's an insight into how... Satan tempts us. Job, for example, before us, he went to God and said, if I tear up his life, I guarantee he'll curse you. If I take away everything, if I take away his health, if I do this, do that, I guarantee and God says, no, because I will keep him. Isn't that great to know? God's got you. But Jesus told Peter the same thing. He said, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. He desires to really shake you up. And I love what Pastor Damian Kyle one, said one time. He said, well, you told him no, right? You know, but no, that's not what God, Jesus said. He didn't say, and I told him not to bother you. I'm going to let him have a round or two with you. It was to see who and what Peter really believed in. Would Peter rely on himself? Would he rely on Jesus? Would he rely on the word? Eventually, came to a sense and he realized he had been relying on himself. Hey, everyone's going to deny you but not me. And he learns to trust. Satan wants us, Satan wants you and I to trust in this world. He wants you to trust in this world. I don't know how anyone can trust what they see on the media anymore, but nevertheless, he wants you to trust what You hear what you see in this world. He wants you to trust yourself, ourselves. He wants us to trust our employers. He wants to trust our paychecks. He wants us to trust in our health. He wants us to trust what we eat, what we don't eat, to trust in America's massive medical systems and solutions, which grow by the day, to trust in someone else's opinion, to trust in our leaders to trust in our experiences, to trust in our families, to trust in technology, to trust in our fears, which is really counterproductive. You name it. Satan says, trust in anything but Jesus. Trust all of it together outside of Christ and the word of God. Anything but trust God. Anything. So I've said for years, if you're new here you've not heard me say this, but I've said for years the in God we trust that's on your quarters and your dimes and your dollar bills is one of the biggest false statements I've ever seen in my lifetime. This country does not trust in God. I wish it did, but it does not. It's a perpetually false claim. And someday God will call us and account for it. But Satan Ultimately, wants people, even believers unwittingly, to trust in Him. That's who Jesus was. Kid- J- Satan wanted Jesus to trust Satan. Satan wants you to trust in Him. So the constructs, the Prince of the Power of the Air, the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. The construct, if everything is Satan's, like I want you to trust in Me, and God says no, trust in Me. He wanted Jesus to trust in Him. So, you can better believe if Satan wanted Jesus to trust Satan, you can better believe that the enemy will misinform your minds and my mind. Amen? You better believe he'll misinform us. He twists the scriptures, he twists words. They're almost true, they're mostly true. There's just a twinge. But thank the Lord. I'm thankful that, like he said, Peter, when you've failed and fallen. I'll be there to put you back together. I I am glad that he, he said more than that. He said, your faith won't fail. You can fall and not fail in the Lord. You can fall and not fail. Now, you don't dive into things. Diving into sin is really, really direct rebellion. But you can fall and not fail because Jesus says, your faith won't fail. I'm glad that the Lord protects our spirit and he protects our soul We are in the hand of the Lord. Now we we desire to be there, or we should desire to be there. But he protects us from the enemy. In in Mark chapter 14 verse 38 it says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You ever want to do all the right things for the Lord and you still mess up? Of course we do. I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it a thousand more times, when you get to heaven he will not say well done good and perfect servant, well done good and faithful servant. And the only reason you're faithful is because God helps you be faithful. You couldn't even be faithful if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit in you. That's why you have to have the Holy Spirit. You don't have any, you're not, well, you hear this from the world, most people are generally good. No, they are not generally good. They are all bad and need the goodness of God. We're not generally good. We're generally bad. More specifically, bad. And so we need the Lord. But the Spirit that God gives us becomes a willing Spirit. You're here this morning. Maybe you dragged yourself in, but the Spirit wanted to worship. You wanted to worship even though you kind of wanted to stay home at the exact same time. The Spirit won again. Great. Praise God. Right? But the flesh is weak. Praise God that He saves us and that he gives us a spirit that desires to obey. Before I was saved, I didn't have a desire to obey. The last place I wanted to be on a Sunday morning was church. Mm -hmm. I don't want to tell people about the Lord. I'd be embarrassed about that. The Lord gives us a desire, a distaste for our former sin, but a desire to obey the will and plan of God, which is to do what? It's to trust the provision of God. It ultimately says, Lord, I trust that what you have for me is better than what my flesh would naturally desire, so my spirit is willing, to kill that flesh that is weak. Yes, yes. And that provision is supernatural. It's supernatural. Just like our salvation is supernatural. We've forgotten. One of the reasons why many people become very lukewarm is they forgot their salvation is supernatural. When you forget your salvation is supernatural, you forget that your daily walk is supernatural. It's imperative that we know our salvation supernatural, but so is the sanctified life. So is the work of sanctification. It's supernatural. Back to that text in Luke 4, where he says, man shall not live bread, bread alone. Jesus is reminding Satan And as he's reminding Satan, he's reminding us that we don't live by bread alone. Jesus did not need the bread to survive the 40 days. He did not need anything Satan had to offer him. Satan could have said, I'm going to bring Gatorade from the future to you. Doesn't matter. Jesus didn't need anything. But just as Jesus didn't need to live by bread alone, we don't live alone. By bread alone. Even Ezekiel bread, which is kind of like the holy bread you can get in Publix. You know, it's not even just that. (laughs) It's in the frozen section if you're looking for it. But um, (laughs) we don't live by the necessities of this physical life. I'm here to remind you as we start a new year, we do not live by the necessities of this physical life. If you are watching online and you cannot afford organic food, God has you. Amen. You're going to be okay. If you cannot say, I am a single mom and I don't make enough money to buy everything organic, God can override that. Amen. Amen. We got to stop believing that every little thing, I take vitamins and all that stuff, that is not what makes me survive this world. We don't live by the necessities of the physical life. We live by the grace and mercy of God. And it's his provision, and it's his invisible but unlimited power, invisible power but unlimited power, that sustains and provides what we need, not what we think we need, but what we need. Because I don't even know half the time what I need. Only God knows what. He's the one that designed me. I think this past Wednesday I thought I need to stay home and rest more. God says, no, you need to go pray. Felt way better I told the church that night, Wednesday night, I said, pray for me, I have not been able to sleep. I've had this post-COVID insomnia. I have slept great every night since Wednesday night. Because the Lord said, go to the prayer meeting. That's what you need. Really? Yes. Point number two, if you're taking notes. His path and his pruning. His path and his pruning. Um, First of all, I'm praying for the many people that are truly, truly sick. And there's a lot of people that... um, uh, we just lost a Calvary Chapel pastor on the west coast. Uh, Ray Bentley uh, passed away, uh, and he died of COVID. Um, but there's many other people that are sick with lots of things. There's people in the hospital right now with heart disease. There's people in the hospital right now with dialysis. There's people in the hospital, you know, you name it. There's lots. We have we have a, we're a very unhealthy country for having medical facilities everywhere and more vitamins than the world has ever seen, and more medicine than the world has ever seen. And yet we're generally unhealthy. And I'm praying for many. We've been anointing with oil on Wednesday nights well before the pandemic. We started that like three or four years ago. It had nothing to do with COVID. We've been anointing with people. Because we have some of you in this room still have chronic things. But I'd love to see God heal you. And I hope you would use it for His glory. We have a lot of people that are in hospitals right now and sick. But uh, when I got sick last week, again it was, I don't know, It's going to be bad, good, medium, in between. I didn't know. But even though I knew that there were people, and know there are people, in far worse conditions than I was feeling last week, way bigger dilemmas than I was in. I still wanted to worry about it. I still wanted to whine about it. I still wanted to work through it and figure it out. By the way, I know at least three other pastors last week that were out, and one of them was out the exact same time as me last year and was out the exact same time this year. Uh, That just is a bullseye, folks. That's all that is. It just comes with the territory. Right, right, right. But I'm thinking, Lord, Lord, how am I here again? I was supposed to be, and I, I, I all planned out, I had the whole month of January, and then why am I on the couch watching Zach? <laughs> 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 Trevor doing Lord's Supper, it was great, you know. And, and by the way, for those of you stay home, if you ever have to be home, you can do, take Lord's Supper. We had grape juice and bread right there. We did the whole thing with you guys, so God... Uh, has this, but but I want to remind you that uh, in life, just like uh, if you go to your local high school and go in the back, there'll be a track, and tracks are in circular motions. And God will have you rerun some laps the same direction, the same time, sometimes multiple times in your lifetime. He'll have us retrace steps, and what's missing on our personal path to sanctification, because God's working each person individually. He's conforming us and this happens with many things in our lifetime. Illnesses, obstacles, financial situations, some of you may be in right now, unsolvable family problems, all these things. God will work us through these things. But the Lord, as is always the case for me last week, just simply wanted me to come under his wings and under his counsel. Just come under my wings, under my counsel. You don't have to figure anything out. Just come under my wings and under my counsel. And I asked the Lord last week, and I, um, this is a question, some of you I've posed to some of you who've gone through things, um, they could be small problems, medium size, really big ones, just lost my job type problems. I mean, I've asked some of you before, and I have to not just ask people to ask it. I have to ask the Lord myself, Lord, what do you want me to learn in this? What is it that you want me to learn in this? Sometime this year, I hope that God reminds you that you hit, you're hit with something. It could be just an annoyance or it could be way bigger than that. And you say, Lord, what is it you want me to learn through this? Amen. One of Jesus' names was Rabbi, which is teacher. <laughs> He's always teaching us something. We have to remain teachable. What is it you want me to learn? The word tells us that Jesus, he was acquainted with grief, he was acquainted with sorrow. Think discouragement. At times, you can be discouraged. Turn back with me to um, 1 Corinthians for just a second. 1 Corinthians 9, where we read, I want to reread that text for a second. What Paul writes here, in verse 22, to the weak I became weak, that I might become weak. Not many people say, you know what I want to get in 2022 is weaker. (laughs) I haven't seen a single commercial from GNC or American Family or any of them saying, we're going to help you get weaker this year. But Paul says, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things. You have to sometimes get down on the level of other people to feel, oh, I forgot what it was like. to. Some people, have, you've been so long, you've had all your needs met, you forgot what it would be like to be some struggling, just out of college, bear, eating ramen noodles person. Right? Paul says, like, I don't ever want to lose touch with where people really are at. The week I became weak, that I, and I know it's not just that. I, there's many other nuances to what he's saying here, that I might by all means save some. Now I do this for the gospel's sake. Paul's like, I'm pouring out my life as a drink offering for others. And he goes on to say, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way to obtain it. And he actually says, verse 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. When I preach to others that I myself should not become disqualified. He's like, like, Lord, you're going to have to break me down, make me weaker for your plans, your purposes. Personally, um, I have grown over the years. uh, I, I would say I would say in the last 10 to 12 years, I have grown exponentially in my life, and God could verify this. He's the only one that could verify it. My wife could verify it too. I've grown exponentially in empathy for people who are sick or have chronic illnesses or have severe limitations or have special needs, you name it. Just kind of the whole gamut of those type of things. Uh, I used to, when I was unsaved, I did not have sympathy for anybody for anything. I was like, Toughen up and do it. You know, I, I did, but the longer I've been saved, the more God's humbled me many times, which is necessary, the more I have a great empathy for people that are truly, and you just want to come alongside and do what you can to help bear their, their burdens. And you know, the last couple of years, because of COVID and everything, I, a lot of people have gotten sick. More than I've seen, I did more funerals last year than any year in my entire ministry last year. And I hope that's not the case this year, uh, but none of us are trying to get sick. And I'm talking to online as well. This is a contemporary topic because we live in this current state of the world. None of us are trying to get sick. We're all trying not to get sick. But in life, guess what? We sometimes will get sick. Daniel, great man of God, he said he fainted and was sick for many days. Um. Paul's dear friend Epaphroditus, Paul was spared of him dying, he was sick even unto death, but then he made a full recovery. Most of our sickness we make a full recovery. Not all, most. A little list I put together Uh, so I'm like, Lord, when I ask the Lord what do you want me to learn, these kind of things, it is, am I doing something wrong or am I doing something right? Or somewhere in the middle, right? You know. So, and, and really, uh, God will kind of te- kind of show us each little area. A little list I put together. So, well, if I'm going to be sick for a few days and, and kind of laid out, and what do you want me to learn? Through? And this is a little list I put together. Maybe this is encouragement to somebody who's home right now, sick, and you're just discouraged about being sick. I want you to know that it's not. There are sometimes God, we're sick out of the chastening of the Lord. That can happen. And sometimes, like in Daniel's case, you're sick because Satan wanted to kind of, or Job's case, Satan wants to mess with you, right? But in either case, the same thing is true. Look, Lord, uh, here's 10 things Lord gave me. Uh, lots of unimportant distractions are removed. By the way, nobody, and I have not seen a single healthcare company, I haven't seen a single politician. I haven't seen a single business in America say that there's a benefit from getting sick. God would say, if I let Daniel get sick, if I let Epaphroditus get sick, if I let Job get sick, I might let you get sick. Not because I disliked Job, Epaphroditus, and Daniel, but because I needed to work something in them. And so here's just that list. Uh, Number one, lots of unimportant distractions removed. Number two, time to genuinely rest and not feel guilty about it. That's pretty good, right? (laughs) More time to pray and seek the heart and will of God. More time to meditate on the Word of God. Time and quietness to hear from the Lord. Increased compassion for those who are really sick, those with chronic conditions, severe limitations, and the persecuted and oppressed. You start thinking, wow, uh, what's it like if you have malaria and you're laying in a jail in North Korea and no one to give you medicine. Nobody cares. What would that be like? You don't think too much about yourself after you start to get beyond these things. It deepens our faith and trust in God. We we, we know that every time you're healed from the common cold or flu or COVID or anything else, it's always God's grace. Amen? It's always God. Always Him. Even if He uses doctors, even if He uses physicians. It helps rearrange and refine our priorities. Number nine, helps us see the deep and practical need of the family of God. People praying for you, people saying how you're doing, people that are care for you. Drop stuff off on your front doorstep. You see that God's made us a family for a reason. Number ten, helps us grow in gratitude for things we take for granted. If you are healthy, thank the Lord and use it to minister to other people. Amen. Don't use it for yourself. That, that's what the world does. I mean, they, they're so. They're healthy, so they go rock climbing into the Caribbean. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying if that's the course of your life, is when I'm healthy, I do all the kind of things that promote my Instagram account. Where Jesus says, if you're healthy, why don't you help people who are not spiritually unhealthy and physically unhealthy. Spiritually even more important, because Jesus came to seek and save the law. He healed many, many people. So that's just some things that Maybe you're an encouragement to somebody. Um, may encourage someone who's there. But again, uh, I can personally testify. Uh, I, had, I meditated on all ten of those things. And I have plenty of room to grow in all of them. And I would probably guess we all do. Uh, but like I said, you won't hear from anyone in this disconnected from reality, society, and fallen world we live in, you won't hear any of them talking about the ways God can use an illness to refine you. You will not hear that from our politicians. They want you in abject fear, and God wants you to learn faith. Totally different. God sits in the heavens and laughs at their lunacy. God allows these things to prune us and to steady us and the path that he has laid before us. Daniel came out of that feeling sick and got great revelation for the Lord. Epaphrodites came out of feeling sick and went and ministered to Paul in a great and mighty way. So don't be discouraged when these things happen. We're called to see the work of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit and to give thanks in all things. The Bible says in everything give thanks. Everything. You have a rough week, give thanks anyway. The month of January doesn't go the way you thought, thank the Lord anyway. Amen? Amen. Lord wants us to... Rely on him. By the way, if God does spare us, and most times, most times that happens. I I, I can't remember the uh, I can't remember the pastor that said it. He was from the uh, from England. It was in the 1800s. I've quoted it before, and I can't even find who said it. But I'm going to paraphrase it. He said, "It's not so surprising. It's not so surprising. There's a paraphrase. It's not so surprising that um, it's not so surprising that we don't. Uh, die, it's not so surprising that we die. That's what it is. It's not so surprising that we die. It's surprising that we survive as many things as we do. <laughs> that's, a, that's a paraphrase. that I, ha- I wish I had it in front of me. I, I read it once and I haven't been Not so surprising that we die but that we survive as many things as we do. Because in the course of your life th- things will happen. You're like, I am hanging by a thread, God. And I'm not just talking about illnesses, it could be a certain situation, it could be a family situation, it could be a a death in the family, it could be some sort of tragedy, and you wonder how do we survive? It's always the grace of God. Always the grace of God. But for the believer it's not just that you receive the grace in it, but you actually increase your faith in it. That your faith actually grows in these things. It was normal uh, for me to hear as a kid, that which doesn't kill you will make you stronger. That was a mantra of the 70s. I mean, uh, it it was normal to hear that said, that which doesn't kill you will make you stronger. We do not say that anymore. God God is making his church soldiers for Christ. He will actually toughen you up in your faith. But strangely enough, you have to get weaker. Back to what Peter, uh, Paul wrote, you have to get weaker to get stronger. It's a paradox, isn't it? That sequence of Paul's writings, he says, "I have to to the weak I became is weak." And then, verse twenty-four, he says, talks about those who run in a race running. Paul, how am I going to run the race if I got weak? Paul, how are you running the race if you're now weak? That doesn't make sense. You became weak to run? Oftentimes, we'll have to become weaker to run the race of God's plan for us as believers. We'll have to become weaker, and what it is, it's really, it's humbling our pride. It's humbling our self-reliance. It's humbling our, well, you know, I I don't, I, I don't, I'm not as soft as you. I, I don't get sick like you. I don't. I, 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 all whatever it is, I'm saying that God, and it doesn't mean that we don't take precautions, and we don't. But, but God is saying, in spite of our precautions, I will allow things that will make you weaker and more dependent on the Lord, more dependent on Christ. If you cut your pay in half. God can still sustain you. Do you believe that? Well, yeah, I believe it for that guy, just not for me. I'm really good at believing it for everybody else. we have to become weaker to run that race, uh, and it can include sickness, it can include a thorn in the flesh like Paul had to endure much longer than any single point in time. It seemed to be a lifetime of a thorn in the flesh that he had to deal with, physically weaker, those of you that are older now, you're getting weaker, but your spirit is getting stronger if you're keeping your eyes on Jesus. That's great to know. Amen. It's Amen. great to know that those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. It's more of a spiritual strength. I was thinking about how my plans were disrupted in the last couple weeks and, uh, uh, you know, felt tired and, you know, Lord, I, I want to get my strength back and all that, but I was praying. And then this dropped into my spirit. This dropped into my spirit. I'll put it up on the screen. Without, did I have a verse there? I'll go back one. Yeah, there it is. Without a test, there is no testimony. Amen. Amen. Without a test, there is no testimony. And this doesn't mean every single situation. There are some times when you have a testimony that's not necessarily a result you have a test. But the majority of the time, testimonies come through testing. And then I was reminded later in the week, Lord had me look to this passage, uh, I wasn't looking for it, I just was opening the scriptures and it came to this passage and it says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested offered up Isaac, who he had received the promise and then we see the same, that passage is, is a kind of a pointing back to Genesis chapter 22 Abraham was tested, Paul was tested Peter was tested. In 2022, you will be tested. The path of the Lord involves also the timing of the Lord. I told you God will kind of disrupt our calendar, disrupt our schedules of time. If you were to ask Moses right after they crossed the Red Sea, if you were to live report, Moses, you've just crossed the Red Sea, when do you think, in your expert opinion, Given that you are 80 years old, you've got a lot of life experience, you just defeated Pharaoh by the help of the Lord, just got through the Red Sea, Moses' live report, when do you think you'll get to the promised land? Moses probably said, I, I can imagine a few weeks. God's willing to tell you it's going to be 40 years. I mean, I don't think Moses thought it was going to be 40 years. It was a shocker to him. the timing of the Lord is always in God's hands. If there's something you're trying to, like, get at birth yesterday, stop it. All of us, myself included. We'll probably, Moses later on, well, looks like we're going to be in the desert for 40 years. I thought we'd be there in five or six weeks, but... uh, because you people have bad attitudes, I got to stay. No, anyway, that's, he, did, he, did end up thinking, he did end up thinking that later, and that became a problem too. And so it's like parents with their kids, you know, you're like, thanks to y'all. You know? <laughs> but our life in Christ is not theoretical, it's, it's an open book test. It, we're, we really live it out. It's not theoretical, it's not just pay. We actually live it out. Your testimony, my testimony, our testimony, is ongoing. It's ongoing and it's many tests in the making. Many tests in the making. And remember, though, it's his path, it's his plan, no matter if it is many tests in the making. Last thing we want to look at this morning, and I hope this last one really encourages you as we come to a close here. Um, it's back in Zephaniah, so just have that passage, Zephaniah, handy. Um, Look back at the text in Zevaniah chapter 3, uh, and I'll just highlight a few of these passages. I, I, I underlined and highlighted a bunch of them on January 1st. Uh, number, uh, in verse 8 says, Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord. That alone is a great admonition, right? Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord. Verse 9, For then I will restore the peoples a pure language. You know, you and I want to have a pure language. We want to have a pure heart. We want to have purity coming. But God is the one that restores that. He's the one that births that in us. Why? That they will call on the name of the Lord and to serve him. With what accord? Do you want to serve God? The Spirit should be willing. You should desire to serve God. Lord, I want to serve you. I don't want to serve my flesh. I don't want to serve myself. I don't want to serve this world. I don't want to serve Satan. I want to serve you. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. my worshipers, my offering. Lord, I I want to be your worshiper. I want to be an offering to you. Verse 12, "...in the midst of a meek and humble people, they shall trust in the name of the Lord your God." Lord, I want to be meek. I want to be humble. I'm not always meek. I'm not always humble. But I want to trust in you. Trust in the name of the Lord. Sing, verse 14. Sing, shout, and be glad and rejoice with all your heart. Lord, I I want to do that. I I want to sing to you. I want to shout. I want to be glad with all my heart. Not a little tiny piece of my heart. All of my heart. The Lord has taken away your judgments this is what God is saying. The reason you can rejoice, I've taken away your judgments. Amen. To go back to this first couple of verses, the angel, so um, to restore a pure language, uh, the angel took a burning coal and touched the prophet Isaiah's mouth with it. Now look, and if God touched you with a burning coal, your tongue survives this. If you do it with a burning coal, your tongue will not survive it, right? But if God does it, that's the awesome thing about God. God can take a literal burning coal and place it, and your lip doesn't burn. The only thing that burns away was the sin. And his lips were clean when they were touched by that burning coal, because prior to that, his lips were unclean, because he said he lived in a people of unclean lips. That's our country. We lie a lot in this country. There's much immorality. We have a lot of uncleanness on the tongues and on the minds, and God is the one that can purify that. Same as was then, same it is today. But also, Isaiah, he wanted to be clean. And brother and sister, and those of you online, do you want to be clean? God knows you real hard. You can't play games with God and say, I really want to be clean. No, I don't. God knows when we mean business. I want to have a clean mouth. I want to have a clean heart. I want to have a clean uh, spirit. And only God could cleanse what he knew Isaiah desired. Isaiah's like, I- I'm not this. Paul's like, nothing good in me dwells. And God's like, I will fix that problem for you. Jesus said in John chapter 4, which goes on here, it says, my worshipers and my offering, Jesus said in John 4, the woman of the well, that the Father was seeking the true worshipers who would worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. The true worshipers. These are the worshipers of Jesus, those that worship in spirit and in truth, and worshipers that are the personal possession and the delight of God the Father, where he says right here in verse 10, from beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, they belong to God. They're his personal possession. It doesn't bother me at all that God calls me his personal possession. Why? Because I was bought by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so are you if you're saved. You don't, you don't begrudgingly the world's a like, no, no one owns me, I own myself. No one tells me what to do. God always tells me what to do. How about you? Amen. I want to be told what to do by God. I'm not smart enough to know what to do. And he tells me to worship and to be a worshiper. To be that personal possession of God the Father. In Acts chapter 19 and verses 13 through 16. I don't have time to read that, but the sons of Sceva. Uh, they were the sons of a Jewish priest, and they were men who knew of the ministry. They, were, they had a lot of knowledge of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and even they had a lot of knowledge of Jesus' ministry, but they had no personal relationship with Jesus, and they were attempting to cast out demons by the name of Jesus and by the name of Paul. It did not go well. Um their attempt went horribly wrong. Uh, but before the demons pummeled these charlatans, um, one of the demons said to these men, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Are you known, those of you online, those of you here this morning, are you known by the spiritual unseen world that you belong to God? The demons know it. The angels know it. Are you known by the people around you at your workplace, and your family? Are you known as a worshiper of God? Or they would say, I had no idea you were a Christian. You live worse than I do. Most importantly, are you known by Jesus as a worshiper of God? The thing that will happen At the end of the age Jesus will say either depart from me, I never knew you or welcome, right? Does he know you as a worshiper of God? God's plan is to totally transform us. It is to completely deliver us. It is to cleanse us and even to bless us. I don't preach a prosperity gospel. I never will. But God does want to prosper us and to bless us for his glory. Again, if he he makes you healthy, it's not to feed your Instagram feed. It's to feed people. To use his benefits for us, for his glory. I I understand that this passage, those of you that are Bible scholars, I understand that the passage of Zephaniah is is first and foremost to the remnant of Israel. I get that. I know that. But it also has New Testament application to us. It's secondary but still important. The primary is it is about Israel and God's going to bring the remnant of Israel back together and he's going to bless them in Jerusalem and he's going to sit on the throne there. But I plan on being there too in the millennium reign. It also has New Testament application to us and an understanding of what God wants to do. I would say that he wants us to be his worshipers. He wants us our lives to be an offering. He wants us to be humble. He wants us to sing. He wants us to be glad. He wants us to remember that our judgments have been taken away. He wants to cast out the enemy, verse 15. He wants the king of Israel to be the Lord in your midst, the king and the Lord of your life. All of that is for us as well. And in verse 16, he says, do not fear. Let not your hands be weak. Hold on. Paul became weak, but then he could run strong. That's the paradox. Let not, don't fall to the fear of this world. Let me be your strength. Weaken yourself in the sense of no more trust in yourself. Kind of lay it all out there and say, Lord, you carry me forward and I'll run in your strength, not in my ability, not in my, you know, trusting in my employer, this, that, or the other. All of this, the sequence is he, um, the Lord is uh, back up in verse uh, 11. He says, and you shall no longer be haughty. Uh, the Lord has taken away your judgments. God will chasten us to bring us to a place of praising him. And Hebrews twelve six says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. God will make sure that we have been tested and chastened and pruned for the right reasons. And when we receive mercy, Psalm 90, verse 14, oh, that satisfy us early with your mercy. Mercy is something you knew you didn't deserve. And because you get something you don't deserve, you say, Lord, now I'm willing to be worshiping and to be glad and to be rejoicing. You look at the results of God's cleansing. We rob ourselves trying to hold on to stupid, worthless sins and idols of this world. Whereas this says, sing, be glad with all your heart. You can't buy that with money. You can only receive that. So God's like, why are you trying to hold on to things that can't actually give you this kind of joy, this kind of rejoicing, this kind of gladness? Verse 17, the Lord, the mighty... The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's verse 17. God says, I will uh, will pour all of this on you if you would stop trying to hold on to these stupid things, including pride, fear, frustration, unforgiveness, whatever it may be. F.B. Meyer said, How often God takes away our consolations that we may only love him for himself and reveals our sinfulness that we may better appreciate the completeness of our salvation. God's like, I want you to see you're just like Peter, you would deny me, but because you have this desire to be whole, I'll heal you, I'll cleanse you, and then, and only then, you'll see the completeness of the salvation and that joy comes. It is the plan of God to turn us from our sins, to turn us from ourselves, to humble us for our own good, to bring us through the valleys, to bring us through the difficulties, and to come to see that the treasure is the presence of Jesus in our midst. The King in our midst. Within the plan of God, if you just keep this thought in mind throughout the year, within the plan of God, help. you need to know this, within the plan of God the journey is the destination. The journey is the destination. You're saying, well, if I can get to this in 2025. No, no, no. Right now, the journey is the destination. What God is doing in you, what he's allowing in your life, what he's putting you through, allowing, is to bring you forth his goal for today, and then tomorrow's for tomorrow, and the next day, that's why the word is a lamp under your feet. It's not 80 miles in front of you or us. The journey is the destination, specifically as we're learning to love and worship and trust Jesus more and more. Brother and sister, God will never change, ever. God will never change, but he'll change us and our plans again and again and again. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer as the worship team comes up. Father, we just thank you that you never fail and your plans are perfect. And Lord, that you are doing a work in us if we would simply yield to it, that will bring forth you're rejoicing over us your gladness rejoicing and just a joy in our life and lord i pray that for those that are here this morning lord that you would speak to each heart and if there's anything we're holding on to lord we just let it go that we may receive from you the great provider of not just healing and health for our body but lord for our minds for our soul And so, Lord, I just pray that you would minister to your people as only you can. We are your people because you've purchased us with your own blood, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.